ready to create the impactful and profitable business you've been dreaming of? It's all possible. We've done it ourselves after leaving careers in law and clinical practice. Like many other professional women, we wanted the freedom and flexibility to live life on our own terms, and we felt the pull to be more present to our growing families. But we still felt drawn to contribute, to build, and to create. For us, that looked like founding software companies, but for you, that may look different. Our mission is to help other ambitious women build and grow businesses on the internet. Starting up online can be overwhelming and isolating, but it doesn't need to be. Join us for honest conversations about what it really means to grow an online business that aligns with your values and adds something meaningful to the world. I'm Sandy Connery. And I'm Jenny Barcelos. And this is the Soulful MBA Podcast. Today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. We love audiobooks and we suspect that you do too. Because you're a Soulful MBA listener, you can get an audiobook of your choice and a 30-day free trial over at audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash soulfulmba for your free audiobook. Welcome to the Soulful MBA podcast, episode 99, Money, Motherhood, and Madness. I'm Jenny Barcelos, and I'm joined with my co-host, Sandy Connery. Hello, Jenny. We're in the same place and we are (laughs) recording on a little portable recorder. So I apologize in advance if our audio quality is not up to par as it usually is. And the roosters in the background and the wind noise in the background. We are in Malibu at this beautiful, they call it luxury barn in Malibu on we have view of the Pacific Ocean. It's gorgeous, but it is noisy. So yeah, we'll make it actually one of our joys. We didn't talk about that. But by the time this airs, we'll have already checked out of this place. (laughs) And so we'll share a link with this place. So it's an Airbnb in the Malibu Hills. It's a barn that's been converted into this amazing little cottage. And we're next to a little farm with goats and a rooster. So if you hear a rooster crowing in the background, That's what we've been listening to all day. So you get to experience the true reality of our little work vacation. So this episode is something that we've been wanting to talk about for a while. You're going to hear some true, I think, heartfelt, frustrating issues we've been dealing with as women, as entrepreneurs, and as parents. And we want to talk, before we get to our big 100th episode, we want to talk a bit about some of the struggles we've been having lately. And some of them are very personal and some are more societal. Yeah, I think it's important to kind of explain the context of the last couple days and what we've been doing. And so they know where all this has sort of arisen. So we have been at a conference at the She Recovers LA conference, which was put on by Don and Taryn Strong, who are some of our Namastream customers. And we attended the conference because they have a tote coaching program. So we left our homes and we went away, came to Beverly Hills for six days, which was amazing, Beverly Hills and Malibu. And we stayed in a hotel and we had some adventures, just a few. We've been having adventures, but... You know, we do these work trips a few times a year where we either go to a conference that we have a compelling reason to go to, or we just gather together in one another's hometown and we work in person. We usually work together remotely. Our entire team is distributed, so no one works really in the same town or even same country. Well, that's not true. There's some people in the same countries, but you know, we're all separate. And so Sandy and I, you, you and I get together two to three times a year and we have these 
you know, in-person gatherings where we get a lot of stuff done. We sort through some big questions and issues. And these events are never without mm-hmm. significant trouble. And drama. I, you know, we don't talk about our own drama. Maybe we do. I don't know. Not this drama as much on the podcast, but I think it would be helpful to talk about it here because these are issues that we're wrestling with. And I think by sharing how realistic our struggles are, I think maybe it will give you permission to own your own struggles and to still keep going forward in your business. So let's Mm -hmm. just talk a bit about motherhood. We're both moms. We both have one child. And every single time we travel, at least for me, it's really difficult for me to leave my daughter. I started this company, started Namas Dream when my daughter was one. And so this company I've talked about before has grown up along with her. But it's not always been easy. It's mm-hmm. often a struggle. When she was younger, it was a struggle to find time to work and also to be her primary caregiver. And now that she's older, whenever I travel for work, it's heartbreaking. And I know a lot of other working moms can relate to this. And so we just wanted to share some stories. When we got together at the end of last week in California, Sandy, the first couple of days we were in LA were some of the hardest days I've experienced in years. And my daughter is in first grade. She's adjusting to a brand new school year, to taking the school bus for the first time. And she wasn't really ready, I think, for me to leave her. She wasn't in the routine She wasn't yet. in a routine. And my husband wasn't quite in the routine of taking <laughs> care of her in the mornings. And there was a really hard day where she missed the school bus. And they called me in a panic because they didn't know what my husband and daughter, who's six, didn't know what to do because they missed the bus, right? Like, I'm a thousand miles away and I'm the mother figure in this family. And right. And so the default action is to call me and I'll fix it, even though I'm working, I'm busy, I'm at an event, I'm running a booth, you know, and yet. This simple act of my daughter missing the school bus is the reason to get me involved. And then, of course, I get involved and everyone's upset and it's panicky. And I a lot of tears. There's tears and I'm far away. And I think that a lot of you can probably relate to this. And it was so upsetting that I almost went home, Sandy. At one point, mm-hmm. you told me last week, like, why don't you just go home? I'll take care of the rest of this event. And, you know, I didn't. And I'm grateful that I didn't because I think I would have been really resentful (laughs) to my family by having gone home, by feeling like I have invested so much time and energy in preparing for this trip and to my work. And I don't leave very often. I really love spending time at home and with my family. But when I leave, it's my time to leave and to work and to focus on something else. It's so easy when we're at our own homes and we've got everything, you know, in routine and everything's rolling and we can make these plans about going away and we kind of fantasize about all the work that we're going to get done, all the stuff we're going to do and how creative we're going to be. And then when we actually leave and we should talk about what the preparation is, what we have to do to prepare our families for us to leave so that they can function. Once we come here, it's like, okay, let's get down and dirty. Let's focus. Let's talk. And then you are so pulled back in the drama that happens at home. And there's this like anger and resentment. Like I should be able to leave and just do some work for a couple of days without the world completely imploding. And we should be able to work on our business. We should be able to be creative and plan and dream without the distraction of worrying what's going on at home. 
Yeah, I think when we come together to work, part of the reason that it works so well is because we have the emotional space to not be thinking about all of those day-to-day things at home that we're in charge of. And I will be the first to admit that I have a partner, a spouse that does a lot of work, but I would say that I do... 99% of the emotional labor in my family. And so in terms of knowing when things are happening, making sure things are signed and schedules are made and permission slips and sign-up forms and knowing like when things are supposed to happen and how they're supposed to happen and who's supposed to be where, when, what and everyone is eating and when it's getting bought and (laughs) how it's coming and when the Amazon Prime box is coming and when the Thrive Market box is coming and what's going to be in, oh my God, all of it, like the whole thing would break down, right? And I think, and you have a similar situation. You make sure that the food is prepped and there's mm-hmm. there are meals in the freezer and, and ingredients are bought and the dog's schedule is all lined up. It's this, mm-hmm, it's mm-hmm. just endless. Yeah, it's easier for me because my child is 13, so that's different than a six-year-old. So I think I do have it easier. I'm almost, it's almost the opposite now. So when I leave, they don't phone me. I feel ignored. <laughs> I feel like it's fun for them. It's like this sort of adventure. I plan everything out for food and make sure all the events and the school stuff is taken care of, but then they just throw it out their window and they do whatever they want and have fun and eat all the bad food that I don't want them to eat. But tell everyone what you had to do to prepare the Um, family for you leaving. I just, uh, two full pieces of paper with just like lists of times and medications and schedules and it's just, and I know it doesn't even get looked at, you know, they like beg me to make this list and the schedule and the chore chart. And <laughs> and then I think it's just like, it's a loose thing that my family can choose to follow if they feel like it. Cause when I get back, it's not done. And then I did seven loads of laundry the day before I left. And I just, I think it's worth just sharing this stuff because I imagine a lot of you can relate, especially a lot of you who have kids and you're also working. And I, you know, as much as we want to paint the picture of this amazing experience of having a career and being an entrepreneur and working and having it all, it's complicated. And I I realize these are very much first world problems that we're complaining about, but it doesn't mean that they're not struggles that we have. I mean, I was in tears for hours. Like It was Friday, I guess, Thursday, Friday? Friday morning. Friday morning for hours because my daughter was so upset. I mean, because she thought it was the end of the world (laughs) and didn't want to, you know, be late her first week of school. And that's just a tiny piece. I mean, this kind of stuff has been going on for years, Sandy, and we never really talk about it. And it feels like every time we have an event or a trip or a conference or a workshop that we're doing, something like this happens. And I think we just have learned to have coping mechanisms. And that's why we have each other and we have kind of the support of each other. I know that if I had felt like I needed to go home to take care of my family, you would have completely understood and vice versa when it's happened to you. And I mean, just we operate in a larger life story, right? Like Mm -hmm. we have our work life, but our life is our work plus all of these other aspects of our being. This podcast is brought to you by the Namastream software platform. Namastream is an easy to use platform that helps you build and sell your own courses, memberships, and live stream programs. Go from idea to open for business in just minutes. You can learn more at namastream.com.
I can also see how some women who are trying to build a business could just easily give up and it's just too hard. Like it's easier just to stay home. Oh yeah. It's and way sh- easier to stay home. <laughs> make sure that all the things get done that need yeah. to get done. And it's like the path of least resistance. And I just want to say like, I think we need to leave. We need to do our work and it's important work. And this is all wrapped up in the message of Tiffany Dufu, who's like, just ask for help. You know, like it. you and I complain about how much we do and it's like maybe, well, speaking for me, maybe I do need to involve my now 13-year-old child and husband a little bit more in the day-to-day operation. So it's not on all me. And just to allow some freedom to focus on some bigger picture things instead of just dealing with it because it'll get done faster if I do it myself. Mm-hmm. And so there's a real risk there. I think if you, it's just too hard to leave. It's There's just too many details to, you know, pass on to someone else. And I have found that whenever I leave, they figure it out in their own way. Like I always leave a list of make sure this is done. Don't forget about this. Parkour is happening now. It starts at this time. You know, your <laughs> lessons are at this time. Don't forget to go. And they like... Whatever happens, happens, right? If somebody yeah. misses a swim lesson, it's okay. Whatever, it and I matter. think that that's what it means to pursue our careers and to take these times to focus on our business means that some of that stuff is not going to happen, that if we were home, would never fall through the cracks. And it just reminds me, there's an article I read when I was in grad school at Yale back in 2005. And it's an article I remember reading when I was in school. And I just, I Googled it and I found the article and we'll link to it in the show notes. But it was basically an article about all these women who went to elite colleges. And a lot of these women were at the same school I was at at the time that were interviewed and how they were making decisions, even in school, that they would probably, even though they were highly capable and were excelling academically and had very bright careers in front of them, these were women who were already at a really young age in their early 20s, deciding that they were likely to pursue motherhood over career including women who are in law school and business school. And there's this quote that I remember reading, and I just found it by Laura Wexler, who's a Yale professor, or at least she was at the time. And she said, women have been given full-time working career opportunities and encouragement with no social changes to support it. And this is, you know, 2005. So this was not last year that this article came out. I mean, this is more than 10 years old, right? And I think this is still largely true. Yeah, we, that's what we're talking about. That's the what we're talking about. Is not- so we have the opportunity, like the encouragement, you can do anything. And yet, you know, you and I still have the same responsibilities that our mothers had. Yeah. And none of that's changed. So we just have more opportunity to have more responsibility. But essentially, we still have the same tasks to do. We just have extra. And I think it's a real legitimate issue to bring up. And again, I'll link to the article. You can go and look at it. But it also relates to the work of Kelly Deals. I know Kelly's a really influential thinker to both of us, Sandy. And you and I were just also referencing a blog post she had written not too long ago about a similar topic. Yeah, it just came out a couple of weeks ago. It's called The Wealthy Feminist. And what she talks about is how women work unconditionally for other people without expectation of return. There's a lot of nurturing. There's a lot of like taking care of everyone, no matter what the situation is with their own personal lives. They're always taking care of their kids and their elders and their aging parents and whoever. And yet 
when it comes to, you know, I think she phrases it like I was a car accident or a diagnosis away from financial ruin. And so we do not financially take care of ourselves. We haven't been taught that like the structures aren't there for us to have savings, understand what net worth means. And so her article was, I think, written because of the story with Gloria Steinem, where she was, you know, Gloria Steinem has a lifetime of important work. But she in her you know, later years had no money. And so she was able to get a book deal for 1.2 million, an advance for 1.2 million. And then she kind of restructured herself financially. And Kelly's message is like, we don't all have that situation. We can't all just go get a book deal and then be fine. And we need to think about it as women, that money is our safety. It is our material safety. It is how we are going to protect ourselves from poverty. It is about keeping our children safe. And in some situations, it's about being able to legally protect ourselves too, right? And so I just, it really struck me as important. Like a lot of the wealth, the money talk on the internet for business is about luxury and Lamborghinis and Malibu beach houses and, you know, like fancy shoes. And she's saying, no, it's about like survival, survival, safety, And it's, you know, I know we all need to, you know, buy the gas and the groceries and the school supplies, but it's beyond that. It's like, what would you do if something really catastrophic happened, like a cancer diagnosis or your child is hurt in a car accident? We need Or the loss of a partner, right? Yeah, like you, or if your relationship doesn't work out and you need to leave, like, are you financially able to support yourself? And so these are the discussions that you and I have been having over the last couple of days about like our business and our revenue and our goals. And like, I don't know, it's, it's an important conversation, but I think- we are all worth it. Like we all need to think about our net worth and where we are and what we want to do. And I want to do a lot, Jenny. Like there's, we have a lot of big goals. Yeah. I'll just say personally, I mean, Kelly's article really hit me pretty hard because I had a mother who was unable to leave a very violent and abusive relationship because of her financial situation. And so neither of my parents went to college. My dad was brilliant and able to make at times a lot of money, (laughs) but my mom wasn't, didn't work. She, well, that's not the right Mm -hmm. thing to say. She (laughs) took care of her children, but there were times where she would take me and we would leave and we always came back. And the main reason for that was financial. And so I grew up being told kind of quietly, I was pulled aside by my mom over and over and told never be in the situation that I'm in. I really think that that's an underlying driver in my ambition. It's still really hard for me to think about money or to think it's important because of the other values I have. And I have a really strong pull towards humility and I have a really strong environmental ethic and capitalism is tricky for me, right? We've we've talked about that before, but it's also I'm profoundly impacted by my mom's story and the story of so many other women who don't have a choice. And I will say personally, the part of the reason that I'm called to be an entrepreneur and called to build a business and to have something that's mine is because even... I'm I'm married, but I want the freedom if I ever wanted to leave to be able to leave. Mm -hmm. And even though I have 
I think I'm very proud of my education and my skill set. I still feel like my earning capacity in the traditional economy is far more limited than my husband's. And, you know, I'm a lawyer and I have an Ivy League education and I can't get a job that makes as much as my husband. And it's not like, (laughs) and so for me, that's part of why I have a business because that's the way the world works that I currently live in. And I live in, you know, one of the wealthiest nations in the history of the planet. And I have a particular set of skills and I still can't, I don't have the same opportunities as, as a man. Mm-hmm. And my husband does not have the same kind of academic credentials that I have. He's very smart. But to me, that is infuriating. And it's part of what drives me. And, you know, we get emails, Sandy, every time we send an email to our list or we post somewhere about making money and building a business, we get pushback from people in our community. You know, often it's just a couple of people, but people who say that we're selling out or we don't have a right to talk about these things or, you know, we're somehow violating some spiritual code or, and I just want to say back to those voices, I'm sure they're not listening to the (laughs) podcast because I don't think they'd send these emails, but, you know, I, I just sort of out to the ether, you know, think about the context in which you're saying that, you know, women are allowed to want to make money and money is security and money, like making money is a feminist act, like wanting to earn a living and a living that is abundant is a feminist act. And I don't, you know, we are in a Malibu beach house right now. It's an Airbnb. Again, we'll publicly post it. Any of you all can come stay here. But we're also five years into running a software company and we hardly ever do anything like this. And I think that, you know, there's already been pushback. We're posting on social that we're here. It's beautiful. Like we're trying to share this really lovely experience, you know, but it's it's also simple. And I just want to say to anyone who's questioning whether you could or should have something like this, I encourage everyone to go sell. It doesn't need to, I mean, this, first of all, this is not that expensive. <laughs> Second of all, Try to give yourself the gift of two nights to go stay in an Airbnb that you otherwise couldn't imagine, you know, living in. Like I would never live in a barn in the Malibu Hills above the coast. But for my creative being, it's a really powerful thing to do for a couple of days for us to be able to write and record and plan. It's not too much of a luxury to give yourself that kind of opportunity. There's nothing wrong with it. And if you're questioning that, then just ask you to question your assumptions. Yeah, you're right. We get those every time we send an email to our list. And it's so, we say, oh, you know, we're not going to let that bother us, but it does bother us. And I feel bad. And it's always women that write it. I think always so, women. Right? Oh, so yeah. Always, always women, women. Who are saying that we should not be making money based, you know, on yoga or spirituality. And I just want to scream so badly when we get these emails because it's like what we are doing and what we are selling, what we are offering to our followers is a chance to make a business, to create a business, to reach more, to really lead by your values, right? Mm -hmm. To create something that is amazing, that you love doing. And there's no shame in creating an income around that. It's really important that we all do that. And we all accept that as part of our roles. And I think the problem that we all struggle with as women and mothers is that we want that and we want the business, but we have all this other stuff to take care of. 
And it's so, so, so hard to balance. So Tara said when we heard her speak at the She Recovers event this weekend that American women are liberated, but they're not empowered. And I think that's the same thing that this Laura Wexler quote I was reading about earlier was that there's this sort of rah-rah, you-go-girl stuff, but there's not the social resources to back it. Our society hasn't evolved to really create space for women to do that. And I just want to echo Kelly Deals again. Sandy, you're saying that we have a right to earn a living and make a livelihood and make a business. And I also want to echo Kelly and say that we also have a right to make more than that. Because, you know, as someone who has built businesses and organizations, and I've pitched in front of venture capital firms where I'm standing up to pitch an idea and every single person around a 12-person table is a man, an older man, why as a woman would you not want to see women who have the capacity to also be at that table making decisions about investment. Mm -hmm. So not only do we need more women to support themselves and have the freedom to make a living and build a life, but we also need more women to have significant resources to invest in other women and invest in people of color and invest in building the world that we collectively want to see. She has a whole, in this article that we will link in the hustle for this episode, she has a whole big chunk of it is all about deserving, like who deserves that kind of wealth. And in our minds, it's the patriarchy. It's the white man that deserves it. We're I think okay subconsciously, Subconscious- we believe that. Sure. Right. Because but I would, no one would ever say, oh yeah, that's who should have all the money. No, but that's, that's internalized. And so I want to say that like she has a whole thing about deserving, like who actually deserves it. Like we need to completely lose that. And so I don't know, I think it's such a good read. I read it like three times in a row just to sort of take it all in and kind of internalize what her words were and what her message was. I love her work so much. Yeah. And, you know, we also saw this weekend Cheryl Strayed. This is turning into just a podcast mm-hmm. about the last few days of our lives. But we heard Cheryl Strayed, who wrote the book Wild, also at this She Recovers conference. And she was a speaker on the opening night. And she's a writer and a thinker that I respect so much. And she made just an offhand comment about how when she was a little girl, she wanted to be president, the first female president. And how looking around the room, she's like turning 50 this Mm -hmm. weekend. She said, you know, maybe I actually, I didn't think this would be possible. Maybe I could be because I mean, I think she as just a woman turning 50 is so astonished that there's still never been another female president of the United States. And I just feel like this is all tied together, that we just, as soon as a woman, as you start to question another woman's motives around earning money or acquiring power, that you just start to question why you're doubting that or frustrated by it or questioning it. Because we don't have enough examples of women who have a lot of resources and have a lot of access to power and have a lot of money. And, you know, we should be building each other up and supporting each other in all of this. And so, yeah, that's what we wanted to talk about. Motherhood and madness and money. It's all tied together. It sure is. Let's move into joy and hustle. Okay. The joy. Okay. Let's do joy. So good. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Go ahead. Okay, so we met this woman. Like, I don't even, the story is so good. We're going to tell it on another podcast because she's going to come on our podcast, I'm sure. But we met this woman named Diane Crone, who is a famous chocolatier. And we met her in Beverly Hills. She has a tiny little shop there. 
And we'll just say she and her husband are famous for having invented the chocolate-covered strawberry. So if you've ever enjoyed a chocolate-covered strawberry in your life, you have Diane to thank for that. And she's just the most lovely, wonderful woman. And I can't wait to have her on our show. But in the meantime, you should go online and order some of her chocolate because it is the best chocolate I've ever had in my entire life. It's true. She just kept giving us – she gave us these truffles to try. We both like grabbed a bag instantly to bring home. And then she kept giving us more and more and more. We each have bags, like (laughs) shopping bags of chocolate in our beach house right now in the refrigerator. And we've been just like every few minutes taking out little bites. It's so good. And I think part of it is just her and her story and the history of her company and all the things she did in New York with her husband and the people that she served and then moving out here to LA and opening up a shop and working with her sons. And so we are going to interview. She's agreed to come on the podcast, but the chocolate is the joy oh my God. for today. You need to go get this chocolate immediately. If you love <laughs> chocolate, just I cannot emphasize enough, get the chocolate. Yeah, the chocolate, the truffles. Okay, and The Hustle, of course, is the blog post, The Wealthy Feminist by Kelly Deals. We'll give you a link to it. It is so worth a read if you are struggling with money and worth and goals and all that fun stuff. Yeah, no big deal, right? (laughs) Minor. (laughs) All right, folks, we will see you next time for our 100th episode. You can look forward to it. All right, Ready to go from, I really want to build an online business, but don't know where to start to, wow, I've just sold my first digital product. That's exactly what we're going to help you do during our free Become an Online Teacher course. We've created a simple five-day email-based course to teach you everything you need to get started as an online teacher. By the end of the week, you'll have a digital product that's mapped out, priced, and ready to offer your community. Head over to soulful.mba slash teacher to sign up. It's totally free.